Now, 191, it's me, Gary P, and of course, the prof, Carl Riley. Some geeker. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice. You know what I like? I like those nice balmy evenings where you can go out and you have no jacket, you can go out in a t shirt, a little top, go for a little walk with the dog. It's nice. A little beer in the back garden. That's what you want. Saw a headline there earlier uh, Ireland to be hotter than Malaga. Ooh, I like that. Give me some of that. Dublin in the sun, there's nothing better. Uh, of course, our sponsors, Ocean Electrical and Leicester Credit. Ocean Electrical, big bad Ocean Electrical. Uh, going places. Eight years in business this year. Congratulations and a big, big shout out to the lawyers. They've gone from small little company to massive, massive conglomerate. And uh, big congratulations to Craig Matlin and all the crew. And of course, Leicester Credit. Leicester Credit, when you have the week from hell and they actually don't reach out and help you at all. But, prof, apparently they have. You're back. That's <laughs> a Credit. Check them out, Google them. I mentioned Tifties for... Um, Absolutely nothing at all. No benefit to them whatsoever. So thanks, Leicester Credit. No, we joke, we joke. Check them out. Google them. Ocean Electrical and Leicester Credit. So no game this week, Prof. Um, we'll review a crazy 2-2 draw with Sligo and there's the return of the Members' Corner with Kieran Kane. So you'll hear from Kieran a bit later in. Any more shite uh, Sheldonham tips for us, Gar? Uh No. Uh, they were actually winners. They were all gold. I put one bit on. They're winners because you just gave us the three favourites in each race. <laughs> I don't I fucking I hate horse racing, right? Don't <laughs> care for it. It's not real. Um like I said before, they should the winner should be judged on how lovely the horse is. So let them all just kind of gallop around and go, that's a lovely horse. So the loveliest horse wins. And then um I bet on one, I went down to do a football bet. I don't care for it. Don't I don't even bet on the ones I like the sound of. I know Joe Soap, props that his name's Joe Soap. Uh, he loves the horses, but I went down and Lara texts me and she says, this one has love in the name, put it on. So I went like a fiver each way and it won. And we were to see us. We were actually sitting watching it and we were chatting away and it had like a, a V, a white V and a blue top. And it started, like it was at the back. Because, right, let me get this. They're all crowded together, these horses, right? And then they just start running. How is that fair? Honestly, do you know what I'm talking about? They're not in the traps, but they just gather in a field and then they just start racing. There's some of them immediately at the back. Like, that's unfair. I don't know how it works. But either way, this one was at the back and I ignored it. And then it started, well, started galloping. And I got to the end and we were jumping around like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maya thought we won 50 million. <laughs> I told her, no, we won 50 euro. She's like, that's good as well. New house. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I only saw one race and it was the first one. You know, the first one that Rachel Blackmore won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, yeah. The, the leader fell with the hurdle right at the end. So the only horse race probably I've watched in ages and will watch for ages was had that dramatic finale. It was I mean, a bit of fun though. And I, even I, then I was like, oh, that'll do me. I will say it is a bit of fun. Like I, I actually, I, I didn't, I think I bet, on, I bet on the one race. 
But you can see how it's a bit of crack. You can imagine being in the pub with the boys and putting on a bet, like, and winning a few quid and getting up. Like, like I mean, Cheltenham's half the reason we only had under five thousand in Sligo, or in the, for the Sligo game. So yeah, it was two thousand people missing. Two thousand people strewn throughout the Long Mile pub and Dublin. People are people are asking like, what crowd do you think tonight? And I had to think about I it. Like, five and a half, well, six, it be, no, but as in, will it be up or down because of the bank holiday weekend? And I, I had to think about it. I thought mm, slightly down. Personally, I thought down. I said, sun is shining, double bank we, double banker. Everybody's gonna leave and get out of the country or get out of the county, the country, whatever. They're gonna go stay in a mobile, go to Wexford. The sun is shining, like, and then of course the people who run the relationships are the women. They're gonna say, I'm not going to this game on a Friday. Let's go and do something. You know what I mean? Like, mm. the 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 boss is ultimately won with that one. But um, yeah, last week show with Ollie Cattleprop, brilliant. Listen, very good stuff again. I went down a treat. Yeah, we spoke a bit about Ollie last week. The old mood pro, uh, very listenable. Uh, the opener, opening song, Gary, last week was a tune, absolute tune, and it seems to be a song. For anyone who doesn't know, can you please let them know what it was? It's uh, "Dancing in the City." Uh, I forget the artist now, but it was it was a late seventies track. This is a Joe Soap special. Certainly was. Propstar is a, a, a smorgasbord of cool information, music, everything. He just comes out of nowhere with these cracking fucking uh, like song suggestions or just random facts or just, just like last week he called us in and he was like, shells have been renamed to Duffer Shells. Can you believe it? The Duffer Shells. <laughs> You know, so Damien he Duff Damien Duff We're no longer allowed to say Shelburne on this podcast. It's all, it's now Duffer's Shelburne. But uh, yeah, now he he comes no, up I with asked some him, crackers. I asked him. I need a song with the word "city" in it about and being happy. And he doesn't even like seventies music or disco. And he said, "Dancing in the city." I don't know where he got that from, but uh, it seems like a kind of sort of song you could easily put lyrics to out of game. Like this could Ooh, be a football chant. Prof. Do you know what I mean? Like the way the the timing of the song. Dancing in the city. Oh, we could come up with something there. It just seems very adaptable to a music to a football chant. Stafford, Mark, or Kieran Stafford, get your pen out. I'm hopeless to these things, so I'll leave it to the experts. Yeah, so we are officially bankrupt, Prof. The Hooplicons have come looking for their royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the credit. They got our back. <laughs> they came out of the bushes or whatever it is. Hoop, uh, leprechauns hide in <laughs> because. They haven't talked to us since 2017. Because apparently you had a pop with them on a show. I can't remember what you said now. I think that... Uh, I think we might know who these are. I think we... This is like someone's dirty little secret. Oh, I have my suspicions. I definitely do. Uh, and this comes in from Jerry Desmond. And this is The Cycle for Anthony, a.k.a. Waffles. With last year's lockdown, it was difficult to organise something. So this year, I wanted to do something special to remember my good friend, Anthony. I remember sitting beside him all them years in Talent, where he often talked about his love for cycling and how he enjoyed cycling when he was younger. So I thought about what a better way to remember him than to organise a cycle of Shamrock Rovers fans starting and ending in Talent Stadium. So on his second anniversary this year, Easter Monday, the 18th of April. So Easter Monday, 18th of April, I've organised a cycle from Tallah Stadium to Pleston Lakes and Wicklow and back to Tallah. We have a stop off from Brew 21 Coffee Shop, which is owned and run by Shamrock Rovers fans. The cycle starts at 12pm and will take one hour to reach Pleston and one hour back to Tallah. People can get in touch with me or Tipperary Hoops if they have any questions, so thanks. That's from Jerry Desmond. Uh, good looking hoop. And Brew 21 Coffee Shop. Let us know who they are. I didn't know it was run by Rovers fans. 
So get in touch. And we could uh, we could even have a little uh, an official coffee shop, or do we potentially do we have one potential interview there? Do we have a official coffee shop? We could, have an official salon car could, dealer. Could this rival the D Seven coffee shop? Oh, I think so. Yeah, we could get a little uh, interview on. Get in touch with us. We'd love to have you in any independent businesses. We love hearing about it. So yeah, there, that's all the info. Get in touch with Tipperary Poops or Jerry Desmond if you want to get. I might get involved in that. Probably love a cycle, especially in the sun. Out the blessing, it'd be great. Um, yeah so we drew 2-2 with Sligo in Tala after being two goals down at half time and the team we jack on the bench yeah we, we didn't know we didn't know he was unwell so Manus and Gaffney were back Cotter on the left this time um, not a great start to the game prof so it's down was sold out though and plenty of empty seats in it good atmosphere in it as well yeah like we said the the, the holiday weekend uh, I love that Friday off now. It's obviously it's a new holiday, and the timing of it just before the weekend was brilliant. And uh, I was in a pretty good day, good mood all day. I I just interviewed the the Tala ground staff. This is Billy. Oh, it was a good crack, wasn't it? Apparently, Billy Mullen and Kieran Cornwall, and both Rovers two, fans, obviously. Well, Billy's a Rovers fan. Kieran is sort of adopting Rovers, let's say, more of a Man United fan. But two of them are great characters, and. I'm sort of raging that I, you're probably not going to hear this for a while because I, I'm trying to air it before a home match and there's only one bleeding home match in the next, next month, how many weeks? Like weeks. Until May. Yeah. And that, that home match is around the anniversary of Milltown. So we're, we're up to our asses in, in content for that one. So I haven't figured out where exactly to air this, but it's, it's a brilliant interview. It's something different. It's like a half an hour long. Only a bill. The Tala pitch. I love the... I think uh, groundsmen have to be mad, don't they? <laughs> but we do, we do keep an ear out for our ultra special as well. That's going to be coming out soon. And if you have any questions or want to get in touch or talk about the culture, let us know. And uh, it's going to be explosive, Prof. Just before we continue here, I just noticed something very odd. Garrett is not scribbling in front of me. And the reason is... Oh my God, he, did, he took away my toys. No, no. The reason is, there's no game to look ahead to in this oh, podcast. Yeah. We could have an imaginary one. Yeah, Jesus. Normally yeah. you're spending the whole show thinking about your starting eleven, and you're telling me how difficult it is. This is kind of a weird one today. Yeah, it's um, and I, I had I had notions as well about this starting lineup. Right, so uh, yeah, like we said, sold out, sold out stand, um, but plenty of seats in it. I mean, the season ticket holders and stuff like that. But the bar beforehand, prof, did you get a nice point? I certainly did. The the, the Guinness points there are quite lovely. They're in, actually uh, nice the considering. I, I mean, it's. Seen as a sin to have a Guinness point in anything but a Guinness glass, but I mean they go down well. Mm. I certainly do. Uh, the meatballs were there. Ray Whedon's meatballs. I um, had the curry myself. And Ray said, Ray was asked, the curry actually got better. My God, Lar. Now I was sent over. Lar says me go over and get it. Went over and I swear to God, whatever way it was, it has like a perfect little combo of sweet and sour, and it's not even not even sweet, not sour, but sweet. And then a little kick. I was like, "This is actually getting better." Unbelievable. No, I I had the the curry as well, and uh, as always, top notch. But uh, Ray was asked, "Is the meatballs there tonight?" And he said, "Yeah, complete with overcooked pasta and dog shit sauce." <laughs> dog shit sauce. <laughs> Hashtag footies grand. So I was at the Tifty's table as usual. It's the one near the the bar. The one right beside the bar. I can't think why we're positioned there, but that's where we are. <laughs> I'm doing a scientific experiment lately where I buy my program and I kind of leave it there and a few people read it 
I notice attention quickly turns to my Q&A with the former player. I, I think it's because the way it's laid out. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to commit yourself to a two-page article. Yeah. Whereas the questions are there in bold. You can just jump into a question yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, Garrett, people nowadays, no attention span. That's ridiculous, isn't so. it? you got to blame social media and phones, technology yeah. and stuff like that. But, but now it's good that they're... Uh, that the, it's a new article this season and uh, it's getting a good response. Yeah, brilliant uh, stuff again from the programme, Prof. You uh, knocked it out of the park with a better culture in your programme piece this week. Chime and all the uh, the flock of boards and the Tifties nights out. Got a great shout out, so really good read. And uh, like like you said to me, you said you were a little bit apprehensive about it and it was a left field approach for you. I think it was absolutely perfect. I mean, it's like you could have seen it in hot press, something <laughs> along those lines. I mean, it, re- it went down really, really well. For me, anyway, I just thought it was class. Oh, but a culture thanks I mean like I said to you I'm sure there was lots more musical links that, but uh, you wouldn't have time to cover them all um, Orla Sanford pointed out that in Oriel Park there has been a major upgrade in the ladies toilet gear a door they've upgraded to a porta cabin so they actually have space and you can go in and probably lock it up but do you have a door yeah I believe so right so they have a door They've water and tissue. They have the things that you would expect from a toilet facility, <laughs> which I'm impressed. But apparently, Rebecca Dunn was extremely impressed, and uh, n- not an easy lady to impress when it comes to the no. facilities in the waygrounds. Not hard to please, are we? And uh, we had Mia in on loan from the Four Provinces. Uh, she was uh, on the bar staff. <laughs> in on loan, yeah. <laughs> Deadline day deal. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so great show, oh, Prof. And um, yeah, so we're talking um, about the match now, Prof. Well, one last thing, uh, Brendan asked me. Uh, Brendan Dawson <laughs> wanted me to point out something. Uh, he said this to me several times. Uh, that Giggsy Hand is now running a crash because he's bringing two kids to the games, and the kids have no interest in the games. They are they're playing Ring Ring Rosie around <laughs> the eighteen ninety nine. Poor Giggsy, struggling to get a gargle. Yeah, um, I was back in the main stand. Uh, thankfully, I had Jim Conroy for company, so that was entertaining. Clearly enjoying his Paddy's Day weekend. Oh, yeah? Hell, Jim. Was he, yeah? Was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was good company. So, yeah. On to the chances, prop. First half. Yeah, so the team, um, we all gasped in horror with Jack being dropped. We were all saying it was because of his game in Dundalk. We were all saying it was because he was poor, but he was, he was unwell. No, so I didn't think it was that. I just thought. Rest, yeah, could be time for rest, even though you're playing against a team who are flying. Mm-hmm. And even a force, a force glance, I was looking at their starting 11 and I was looking, I was like, Hamilton, never seen him play, Fitzgerald, never seen him play, O'Sullivan, never seen him play. I'm thinking we should beat these here, but um, that it wasn't it wasn't that way at all. I mean, they've some good players in that team, prof. Uh, your man Hamilton, lovely little bit of skill. We'll talk about it. We'll go into our, our first half chance, but Gaffney header from Carter's Cross. Um, really poor first half we just never got out of blocks and um, 18 I, minutes in they, on, you thought we had a poor first half yeah I thought we were really good in the first half you thought we were really good in the first I half I do I thought we were poor to the extent that those the two goals that we did ship I well, mean, aside from the goals obviously but uh, it was actually a good game of football like like the whole game overall was good I thought we were good in patches but we're still going down 2-0. Um, 
so it's not it's not a good half of football. But we we actually kept going. We didn't change the way we we played. We actually kept going at them. And I thought Borgi was the main man, to be honest. By well, the time their second goal goes in, we could have scored four. Yeah. You had this Gaffney one that you said, Cotter as well. Uh, I think it was a header as well. Dylan Watts had the best chance probably in the whole match. He should be burying that. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a chance with Borky on his right foot as well. Is that the one we're talking about? In the first a, a, half. In the first uh, half, into the into the, the square end, a, a shot broke. I thought it was Bork at the edge of the box. I was thinking, on his right, take a touch, bury it with your left. This is the one McGinty palmed, is it? No, he caught it. Yeah. He smothered it down low. I think yeah. it was Bork. And I'm looking at it going, oh, right, it's on Borky's right foot. Take a touch, bury it on your left. You've time. Yeah. He didn't do it. But Bork was the centre of everything here for me. I just thought, first half, we could have been a lot better. But Borky, Borky just looks so dangerous. Like, do you ever see the little touch that he, he has this little trick that he'll invite a player on out on the touchline and it, when the when the ball is past him, he'll take that touch and that touch in turn beats the player and then he has the whole line to run at and he makes that run. So he keeps, and then he bombs on. Like, he was he was brilliant. And Borky, yeah. Borky just looks so dangerous in this game for me. I think he's going to start for a while now. Considering fire, Danny's not on form. I think the fire has been under them. Ah, big time. being dropped for the first five so. games. Maybe so, yeah. But we'll move on to the goal. Prop Fitzgerald, 18 minutes. Hamilton, a little bit of trickery on the right side. Um, lovely ball in. I've never heard of this guy before. They got him from the Wilmington Hammerheads, I think it was. Someone mm. in, somewhere in Canada. Canadian, a little, a little dink in and a very, very smooth glancing header. Brilliant header, let's be honest. It was hard he beat the header, but... It's it's a superb goal. Yeah, this fella O'Sullivan is very good as well. Like that Fitzgerald, Sullivan, and Hamilton, Keane combo. I thought they were all they were all pretty good. But I like, guess the season goes on, maybe it's all about consistency, and that that might fall down for them. But um, lovely glance and header. I didn't even notice the bounce until I watched the replay. I thought mm. it went straight in, but it took a bounce and went over into the corner. Really, really good goal. I mean, in the in the ninety minutes. That's probably the main thing Stoigo actually did mm. in the match because the second goal is just us shooting ourselves in the foot. And then they just sat back, which is something you don't do against Shamrock Rovers at home in Tallis Stadium. But the second goal, we had an absolute stinker. Let's say no more mistakes, please. No more back passes. No more blatantly terrible mistakes that give a, them goals. This is a hospital pass. Done. We're finished. Brilliant finish, by the way by Keane and he looks a bit of a player I was watching the back earlier again yeah I probably wasn't giving them enough credit for the finish because I was just so angry about the back pass but in fairness it's it's an excellent finish and Keane how many goals is that now 5 6 yeah he got a hat trick it could be 5 or 6 now yeah but um, yeah, it's a shocking mistake and I think that will be the last time we see Carter on the left I was going to say it to you I'm glad you said it I think it could be the last time we see him for a bit but that's the thing. No, he is a good outlet. Oh, boy. On the right. He's in on the right for me, though. As a squad player on the right side. Yeah, a squad player. That's that's being diplomatic. He's put in some excellent crosses in the last two games. Yeah, true. But Andy Lyons. Andy Lyons is not... Like, Finn doesn't get in anymore after that performance for me. Oh, he was incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. A little bit of inexperience. He, took two, he had two chances where he took shots and they went over. They were pointless. But he was he was bombing on. And you're just thinking, look at this fella. He's such an outlet, such a player. Two shots on goal. I think into the south stand where he should have really, you know, worked it in the Rovers' way, mm. the way we do and make space. But what an outlet to have. And he. And you're uh, saying Finn can't get in, and now we have our two first choice left wing backs back from injury. 
So you wonder where does this leave Cotter? So ultimately, the new the new look. Like if if we were to have a team for this weekend, Ferruja starts on the left. Lyon starts on the right. Hor Pico, Grace. Um, does Gary, does Gary O'Neill get in? I mean, Gary O'Neill, Watts, Bourne, Borky, Gaffney. That's well, it. O'Neill and McCann are the only players we have in that role. Yeah, and that's the big debate now at the minute is the midfield dilemma is that Gary O'Neill is being seen to have to do too much in terms of battling, getting forward, getting himself around the pitch and he's not getting that much of a McInef factor to help him out. Is that an issue, do you think? I don't think it's a major, major issue. I think Gary O'Neill is getting a little bit more flack than he should be but we are lacking that little bit of extra oomph in the middle because Watts is the creative genius that gives you that little bit of spark up front but we also have Jack, Borky, Gaffney we have all these attacking players that Watts would be able to slip into that role very easily up where Jack plays up where Danny plays in that area Mm. I think that we might possibly be missing that little bit of energy in beside Gary O'Neill just waiting for you to say a McInniff there yeah I don't think (laughs) Richie well, I tried with the that. Kieran Stafford trademark legs. Legs. We need legs around. Yeah, Gary he was O'Neill. the fittest guy in the squad when he was in yeah. when he was there. Like it was so. But I mean, Brad during his post match, uh, what was the figure he used? I think he said twenty-seven shots on goal. Is that what it was? Um, I don't know how many were on target, but a brilliant game of all. Like really, really interesting. But I mean, yeah, we like I said, I thought we played well the first half, but. Just could not put the ball in the back of the net. No, and it was at this point. I know on Robert's shots, some you get the usual people have meltdowns about just not converting their chances. But this one, I did leave this match concerned. Why are we not converting our chances? Yes, but like I said, it will click. It will click. There's a I don't know. We're just not prolific enough. There's it could be a mentality thing. Maybe we get a sports psychologist in and talk about something else that can adjust their mentality. It's. It seems to be an issue. It seems to be a, a consistent issue now where we just can't convert our, challenge, our, our chances. But, like I said, it's a long season. First series, we're not too far off the pace. Wait until the second series kicks in. I guarantee you, it's going to click. Oh, only absolute weirdos to be looking at league tables after six games. Even this off-the-ball show, are they, like, are they fucking mental? <laughs> These people who ring in. Oh, we're top of the league. Seven games in. Seven games in, will you stop? You have another 20-odd games. Like, like, are you fucking mental? It was pointed out to me that Robbers weren't even top of the table at the mid-season break last year. And we ended up winning the league by 16 points. Oh, Robbers four points off the, off the top already. Shut up, you. <laughs> fucking virgin. <laughs> you expect it from the, the sort of the people who actually don't follow the league. Like, you get it from work... Someone came to me, oh, Robbers knocked off their perch. It's always a, it's always a little dig and there's always a little Roy <laughs> smile, isn't there? Off our perch after four games. Oh, yeah. Those just things of perch after four games. <laughs> it's a C. So but half-time, guys. Double sub, double sub, Prof. Um, and we were all predicting it. Um, we said, who's going to get the hook at half-time? I said, this was 100% Bradzer territory. He's going to make a sub. He's going to make at least two, maybe. Um, I, said, I said Jack to come on. I didn't say Ferruja. I think he might have put someone else on. But he made the double sub anyway and Jack and Neil Ferruja came on so for... Who was it? Gary O'Neill? Uh, Cotter was the one. So, so Cotter came off and Gary O'Neill. So Jack and Neil um, came on. And then it, Jack kind of sat in the O'Neill position. But everything went through. He was the um, the guy that waves the stick. <laughs> Come on, prop, help me out here. 
orchestrator conductor conductor there we go the guy who waves the stick <laughs> so yeah he was the conductor of the comeback he, it was brilliant like he everything went through him he just looked so lethal and what I thought Sligo did wrong is that when he got the ball they just kind of they sat back and normally well normally we struggle when it comes to that but we were just a little bit better in the second half than we have been over the course of the season mm. normally when teams sit back and they, they get in tight and they have banks of four or five and four uh, we, we really struggled to break them down but this was like open really good play I, I just thought it was it was a class second half it was a really good second half Like just rewind a bit there uh, at, at the break did you chat to a few people like what was the feeling like, did you think can we get back into this game uh, I always you know obviously me, it was a shock um, I, remember, I think so I remember seeing Dino at the tifty's table at half time and I've never seen a man so despondent yeah <laughs> I think a lot of people were saying, "Yeah, we can we can come back here because of the the nature of the first half and the couple of chances that we did create." I think they were saying, "Just keep doing what we're doing." That's what the general consensus was in and around, and a couple of subs maybe get Jack on. That's what it was. Get Jack on, and then we'll see what happens. We'll see how the general consensus of how we do play and how what happens next. But I was trying to pawn off my browser post match interview. I was offering to anyone who would take it. <laughs> how did that go? No one accepted it. But then when we equalised, I was like, yes. Get in there. Can't wait to talk to him. Um, so, yeah. Ma- uh, an instant impact. And the Bork penalty on 63 minutes. Lions dancing his way into the box. Like a ballerina. And um, clipped. Penal all day. So, clip gone in. And then Borky, nobody was taking that off him. I thought Jack would have took it, to be honest. But he would have to wrestle, wrestle that ball off Borky to get it off him. Good stop by Con. He scored uh, all four penalties he took last season. Um I wonder, does he have a 100% record for us? I need to check that out, actually. Oh, profit the penalty. Dylan Watts has missed one. I remember he missed one against Harvest in front of the sales stand. But I uh, can't recall Berkey missing the penalty. So Berkey stroked this one home to the keeper's left-hand side. And can we just ha- have a bit of praise for McGinty? McGinty, the save... Now, I know it was Roy Adam, but it's all about positioning as well. There was a really good corner in from Jack on the right. Pico, straight up, buried it. It was going in. And McGinty put himself in the right position. Now, fairness, I might hit him in the face. Or he made the save. But you have to be in the right position at the same time. So he was getting dogs abused from us. But I have to say, he took it He took it really well. And I, this is someone I hope that is going to be number one for Rovers in the next couple of years. He was he was like a, a wrestler in the ring. So whenever we go, oh, <laughs> you fat bastard. Ah. No, and now everybody hates it. But he, whenever we'd say ah, he put, fat, so you yeah, mean. he put his fingers to the sky and he go ah, he'd go <laughs> along with it. So whenever yeah. we say ah, he go ah, like it was it was really funny. Yeah, possible uh, Rovers goalkeeper twenty twenty three. Uh, not sure about the hair though. Screech, screech powers. Um, <laughs> ice cube about boys in the hood. He had a he's a Jerry curl. He has a Jerry curl. It was actually a debate broke out in the Pines afterwards because we had a current goalkeeper with us. Uh, Connor Kearns made it back from Athlone. Ah, good to and hear, good to hear. We were debating which save was better, the Shepherd one in Dundalk or McGinty. Now I say Shepherd. Shepherd. Because like you say, this one is straight at him. But I was watching it again earlier in slow-mo and holy fuck, that is some reaction save. Yeah, McGinty, yeah. Yeah. What, um, what does Connor say? What does the go- what's our resident goalie say? I think I think everyone felt Shep was better. Someone was insisting. I think I think it was the senator was insisting that uh, McGinty's was better. But um, yeah, just going back to the penalty, uh, definite penalty for me. Do you notice with this referee, everything was either a penalty or a dive and a booking. 
I thought the greener one two might have been a Two players were booked for diving. I don't think greener should have been booked. I think he, like, at first I just thought, that's a clip, like, he's clipped him. But, like you said, this pisses you off. You think that sometimes it's just not a dive. Sometimes sometimes players just fall. Yeah, sometimes they fall, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a yellow all the time. But, um, yeah, no, some real, fucking great game. Like, just, yeah. th- this is one of those times after the set, after the equaliser went in and the on goal, I felt like... We were soaking the ball in. It was like and we are soaking the ball into the south stand here. The atmosphere was was terrific. Pushing for the equaliser, and then we get the equaliser. Just that roar from the crowd was. Shout out to Sligo's away fans as well. They had a great support. It's probably the best I've ever seen them bring. I think two, three hundred maybe. Really good to see them bringing down that that many. I mean, all the boys with the flares and all. That's that's what you want. You want more people going to your away games. Yeah, I did notice that. Like they were they were very noisy. They were very pleasing them until. The equaliser. That, that it was coming up. though. Jack pu- pumping balls in. Jack Bourne in front of you, orchestrating the madness, pumping balls in, left, right, and centre. Just us working our way in. And then um well, the uh, best part about this was this came this was the resulting corner from the McGindy save. Mm-hmm. So McGindy saves that and you're like, oh man, it's not how, it's not our day. But we actually scored. So who actually corner. headed it and then who put it into the so I think it was Mata or McDonald scored the young goal, but who actually yeah. who actually headed it into his foot? That's what I have to look back on. Yeah, he just sort of hooked it with his left foot into his own net and uh, great stuff and then Q Mayhem have some own goal stats later on actually. Oh yes. Um yeah, Q Mayhem as you say. <laughs> And unfortunately, pure, poor old Aussie Nate is out with COVID and he lives stone's throw from the stadium. He said he could hear the goal go in before LOI TV. 20 so he seconds was praying. beforehand. He's sitting there going, fuck me, waiting for this goal to go in. <laughs> that must be amazing to be able to hear the, the cheer from a goal. Uh, thankfully, Rovers' goals now, not, not Dundalk goals, mm. which got him into Rovers in the first place. Um, there was a save from Tell shortly after this, after this equaliser where we nearly won it but after that tell chance and for the rest of the match there wasn't a lot was there no kind of the last 10-15 minutes kind of just petered out didn't it yeah we did have a lot of possession in front of them but that, that was it pretty much in front of them but um, and they, they had a chance at the end yeah they? they caught us on the counter at the end where what did he do again did he sort of cut inside yeah he made a wrong decision but a big, big shout out to Lee Grace as well by the way there was a an instant where he was one on one and I think Shane Keegan made this point on the off the ball call in show reasoning is that there's probably no better defenders one on one and Lee Grace just has this ability to be able to keep them at bay make his decision and then take the ball and retain it he did this thing do you ever notice what he does when a player is coming at him from behind the ball is let's say a pass goes in behind him he's chasing the ball it's going towards his own goal his back is to the striker. He's running. He has this knack or ability <laughs> to be able to lose the player and have a, like, a little dummy and then he'll have the ball. He'll turn and he'll advance towards the attacking goal then. He has this brilliant ability to be able to hold on to it and just create space for himself. And he did that again against Ligo and I think he's just fucking... He's top fucking class, Lee Grace. It's a joy to watch when he does that. Yeah, just, isn't it? You're just like, oh. He just wins the ball like without a bother. And yeah, it was five minutes out of time. Um, when that clock goes up, like it gives you a bit of a hope, but uh, again, didn't do much with our five minutes. Um, so five minutes, which included a Sligo player being booked for time wasting, but a few people timed it. The ref didn't even not not even play a full five minutes. Four fifty, four fifty, yeah. I think it was. But even that, 
he should have been booked a long time before that. I'd say he wasted the goods of four minutes. Just just messing around and all. But big shout out to the ball boy again. Ball boy legend. Yeah, McGinty was wasting time from the error mark, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, they were all aware. They were playing for the 2-0. They were 2-0 in Tallis. So like, um, Robbers don't do that, let's be honest. Yeah, so overall performance, bro. Um, stop leaking goals. Stop fucking leaking stupid. Giving away goals like that. And more of the second half, please. More of that pressure. Yeah, I came away from this game not feeling too unhappy because when you're when you're two goals down at half time, I meant to say, did did, did anybody ask you would you take a draw now? Oh, they all do. <laughs> a few people asked me, and you know how I feel about that. But uh, I mean, we've we've got a points out of it when we're two goals down. Should have won the game. Should have won the game seven two. Yep, and. I thought patches of this patches of this performance was excellent and if we played like that in the the, ter- the remainder 30 something games we'll win this league yeah definitely think so Prof we agree with you um, yeah, so the Sligo performance as well like I said it was a little bit cowardly from them they kind of 2-0 up and they just sat back if they had have been a little bit more proactive they probably wouldn't have been in their shell the way they were and sat back and got caught like that so do you think they gambled a bit by protecting their lead? I I thought they would do yeah, this. Yeah, they actually. did. They did gamble I, against I, a team that that can cut you open like that with all the subs and the quality that we have on the bench. People kept telling me they were shocked, but I kind of expected. Them. I I thought now Bucko will he'll be happy with the two goals here. And so the ball boy prof, we move on. That was it, and that was the two all. And Bradzer, how did he how did he take the post match? Was he happy enough with you? Yeah, well, he mentioned the chances, like I said, 27 shots on goal. Fucking so hell. he wasn't too... He didn't seem too happy <laughs> after the final whistle. He seemed kind of pissed off that we didn't win the match. Yeah. But uh, maybe he calmed down by the time of the, the media interviews. But yeah, of course, and the ball boy, Prof. We had the ball boy in front of the south stand, single-handedly gets the keeper booked and then goes back, sits on his chair and his bib crosses his legs. Job done. <laughs> well-trained, this fella. He's well, a legend at this stage. Well-schooled. Yeah, so uh, like you spoke about Bradzer's post-match already and I put this into our group there not too long ago about the break. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing for certain players, bad thing for certain players. I think overall I would have liked to build on the comeback. You know, players probably might have been up for it, you know. But I think it's a good thing for certain players as well. Um, Bradzer said it was a good thing because there's been a couple of COVID cases mm. so they can... Couple of illnesses, yeah. Couple of illnesses. Week off, bit of sun, maybe like you know things yeah. like that. It's probably a good thing, yeah. Uh, Mr. Wilson is home. Ray Wilson's home for a week, and uh, hopefully we'll try and get him on the show, Prof. See if he'll he'll grace his presence. Yeah, he was in the points as well. Uh, you missed the cracker. Is he still drinking absolute fucking shy smittics? <laughs> I believe he was. Fuck's yeah. sake. Um, everybody kept coming ask me come up to me and ask me where's Gary I felt like I needed to wear a t-shirt saying I don't know where Gary he's is he's at home <laughs> he's in work it's like we're not joined at the hip you know what I mean uh, somebody in the points I don't don't think he was a Roberts fan uh, he mistook me for the Talking Bollocks podcast host and I think this may be the lowest moment of my professional career what should have went along with it. You should have put the accent on. <laughs> yeah, that's me. You should have fucking went for it. 
It's like sure, they think I'm the Guinness guru. Yeah. You're the, you're the podcast. You're the, the talking yeah. bollocks boys. Nick McCarthy, not impressed with you, Gare. What's going on? What did I do to him now? You know that he gives you that look when you first see him, and he's had a few scoops, and he goes, "Girl, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him, girl?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what, "What do you mean? Why well, he's always he's giving out? He's complaining about his week from hell." It's like, "Yeah, well, what happened to him? Eh? What's wrong with him?" <laughs> Couple of zeros in the holes. What's wrong with me? He's not impressed with your moaning the last couple of weeks. Oh god, I don't moan, but that was just funny, Martin. Anything like the, <laughs> yeah. the timeline of it all was was brilliant. Yeah. Um, four and a half thousand at a prof. Good attendance. We spoke about earlier on, and then we've no home game for four weeks. So, um, yeah, that was the joke after the game. It was like, see you in a month. Where? Yeah. Because. We've had, what, five home games in as many weeks and then yeah, none yeah. for a month and then when we come back at Easter, we'll have two and four days. Mad schedule. Um, yeah, so oh, we're running the bus to Harps as well, so 1st of April, let us know. The usual crack, if you want on, let me know. Um, and a friendly with an English club is rumoured for this week. Ooh, sneaky, sneaky, prof. Yeah, nothing, nothing announced, so maybe it's not happening. But I'm going to say Brentford. Yeah, I was hoping it was Brentford, so we'd have an excuse to say, Bees! <laughs> Did you see me? Um, I tagged Bowes in some Bee Guys post on Twitter. Yeah. And he liked it. He was like, no, oh, this is good, yeah. He was genuine. He was like, he thought I was being genuine about it. <laughs> I actually asked the, the ground staff about the Daily Mount Bees, and Kieran wasn't aware of it. And he, he almost literally... Said, bees. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hold my laughter. I was like, "Oh my god, that was so perfect." And um, the reason that we were thinking of uh, playing this friendly is because we were supposed to play this United Union Cup semi-final at home to Pats on the Monday after the Sligo match. It was one of those where word got around, and it's like, right, this is likely it's meant to be happening. Waiting for confirmation. Even though it was so late in the day. It's like, surely this match isn't happening. And sure enough, it didn't happen. I think I think the United Union organisers want the other semi-final to take place at the same time. So once again, shambles. <laughs> Rovers and Pats, in an off week, in an international window week, the perfect time to play this match and the United Union Cup said no. This competition is a joke. <laughs> I love it, bro. Actually, it will never actually happen. gets annoyed. It will never happen. Because it'll be pushed back to the end of the Irish League season. And they'll say no. Our season finished. Then it'll be pushed back to the start of their season. And they'll say no. It Why won't, don't they it just won't happen. play it? One, team, one person of each team play it on FIFA. <laughs> Get it out of the way. So the other results, bro. We had the early kickoff. Balls playing away to UCD. And that was a one-one draw. And you can hook the negativity to the veins, prof, because they're all calling for Long and Crawley's head after a miserable one-all <laughs> draw on the Belfield ball. I say keep them on. I say give them. What? They're already on a four-year contract. Long must stay. Yeah, they're already on a massive contract, and uh, it's just the the regulars and the hardcore you could say from Bowes are calling. For his head now, and they're just sick of shy, sick of seven years of Leinster Senior Cups and no trophies. But they have bees. They do have bees. But like all in all, that's stop the missing, stop the piss taking, right? 
The real hardcore fans and members who would be involved with Bose must be fed up to their fucking eyeballs with all the off-field initiatives that have absolutely no effect on the pitch well, you have a board that are running the club who won't give them any money out of the Matt Doherty money and all the European money that they got. Their budget is absolutely shocking, I'd imagine. I'm sure it's not too bad, but I mean, to not be able to go out and get players in and not compete and not compete for trophies as a football club must be fucking awful as a fan. Fair enough, you're doing things in the community. Totally for that. But that has to be able to come full circle and be able to actually compete on the pitch. It must be miserable trying to trying to follow that. And once again, a fella came to me last night and he says he can't even get tickets for his kids to go to the game. He says they're mopped up by handlebar fucking vegans. <laughs> handlebar handlebar mustachioed vegans. We, we spoke last night or last week about the divide. There's the pre and post hipster yeah, fans. There is. It's real. It's real. So We have a couple of juicy quotes from Jibbaweb uh, in a little while, yeah. but... Uh, Next we have Drogba. But Drogba on the loud derby, one 0 at home to Dundalk, and I, I don't, I don't think there's, I don't, there's nowhere I'd rather not be more than, than there. Like after that game, you'd have one side Drogba, the other side Dundalk, all in the pitch killing each other. Could you imagine how awful that sounded? <laughs> It'd be like two dogs killing each other, murdering each other to death, like. You wouldn't know what their intentions are. They could be trying to hug you or kill you because you can't understand them. Or mate with you. You wouldn't know. Even worse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, kicked off after that anyway. 32, Pats won. Derry starting to motor now. That was a late winner. That was... Considering we... Uh, uh, although, as I said, we don't care about league tables at this point. But when you saw that late winner in when you're checking your phone, you're like, oh, okay, yep. Derry are serious They're doing season. it. Yeah, yeah. Will patching with the two goals there. Yeah, so. very good player, I have to say. And Duffy, did they say how long he'll be out or? Tibia fracture. You're looking at months. Yeah. So that's him gone. Um, Duffy shells lost three 0 at home to Harps. They were pumped, absolutely <coughs> pumped at home. Sorry, Joey. I know it were pals and all, but my God, jump ship me. Get out of there. <laughs> These are sinking. These are going down. And their fans talking on off the ball. It's a great show, by the way. Off the ball, they are. It was grim listening to him. He's talking about Dan Carr being terrible. He said he doesn't think Boyd's going to score goals. He's got Moylan, who... But Boyd has been scoring goals. Yeah, but he doesn't think... That's what he was saying. He says he doesn't see where we're going to score goals. They're conceding from every set piece. He says it's grim. It's grim stuff. So Apparently what's happening with uh, Damien Duff's Shelburne is that they have a great <laughs> midfield, but uh, an awful defence and attack. And uh, teams with that sort of makeup don't do well do they no don't think so but like I said Damien Duff Shells will probably end up in the relegation spots I'd imagine and then Damien Duff Shells will probably end up in a relegation playoff with who are we talking Galway mm. and then I reckon I back Galway to beat Damien Duff Shells so my mid table prediction for Duffer Shells is not looking too good at the moment uh, yeah, so the long out thread and Jippa Web was nine pages long and counting by the weekend and a very, very enjoyable read, <laughs> I must say. This was the best post. Give us a quote there, Prof. Yeah, a Bose fan on this forum said the following. We are no longer a football club, just a vehicle for someone's political views. Watch that football focus shite and Keith Long contributing. Win a fucking football match. <laughs> And that was written by Scaldy Dub. 
So, like, you, it goes back to what I was saying. You can imagine, like, it's great having these initiatives and, and things like that, but they're not, are they focusing on what's going on on the pitch as well? It is a football club. It's about winning matches. That is what it is. On the pitch, yeah, understandably. Off it, you can do all that stuff, but try at least to get something right on the pitch as well, to kind of go full circle. And that's just not happening. <laughs> I couldn't even watch that BBC Focus thing, could you? No. Is it, was it 10 minutes? No, it's so much I think, I massage think I saw, bollocks, man. I saw a 30-second preview of it or something. I was like, no, I'm not watching this. Yeah, we mentioned the draw of the pitch invasion. That, that little derby was the RTE live game. Which I had no idea that was an RTE until no. someone said it afterwards. Um, I think you have to look back on... I think the the whole issue with RTE sport just being absolutely hopeless again. I mean, look at the game. Like Sligo should have been... Sligo Rovers should have been shown there. Or like the derby or another derby. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. The, their decision-making just non-existent. And it goes back to what I said, is they don't actually have anyone in the company who knows what the fuck they're doing or has an interest in League of Ireland. If anyone with an interest in League of Ireland decided to show the loud derby instead of any other games that are on, they probably don't get it. It's all about, it's all about like what goes on in the face of things, how, how, to, how it looks cosmetically. Like, yeah, yeah, I think there should be some sort of requirement to even be able to be on the TV. If you're going to promote is, it, right. This is what I was going to get at. If you listen to your man's interview on LOI Central last season, these these games aren't randomly chosen. This is a deliberate thing where they go around the league because they feel they have a duty to showcase each ground in the country. Hmm. Therefore, you get games like Pats and Drahada and Finn Harps and Sligo and whatever. But what really happens is they're showcasing... Head in the game park, which is dilapidated, mm. and it looks shit. I remember I was talking last time about showing Oriel Park empty during the pandemic. Mm. I'd say that game put off thousands of people in this country yep. from ever giving our league a chance. That was a terrible decision to show that an empty Oriel Park on television. But it seems like it's just oh, fucking League of Ireland's on tonight. What, what, what our League of Ireland we're due to schedule this now how are we going to do it oh, I don't know what's handy who's around John 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 lives in Dundalk John will you cover that game yeah fuck's sake go on I'll do it that's what it probably is you know it's just a hindrance for someone it's like oh John's from Dundalk he'll be the cameraman in that game nice and John see it we're off a long weekend we'll put themselves put ourselves in their shoes I suppose they'll tell you well we can't show Dublin derbies every week so there's a loud derby on now let's show that one so you were like, okay, I get that. But it looks shit. I don't think, personally, I think that they need to make their product a lot better and continue to make it a lot better until it gets better. So keep showing the best of the best because everything else is below par. Yeah. Don't focus on being on, on sharing it out at the minute. Give your best product until everybody else gets up to standard, maybe. We have a Dan McDonald quote. Dan McDonald, a quote. A Twitter quote. A quote. I just made up a word. I bet some somebody somewhere in uh, Silicon Valley has used that word. Just, but I've never heard it. So. I've just made up a word. Bro. I'll credit you with it. A two. A quitter two. Oh man, I'm happy. That's actually, I'm actually very happy with that. So, uh, night off watching game on TV confirms view that venue selection is so important for presentation. 
Maybe stadiums that need derogation for licensing shouldn't be eligible for live TV selection. And that would rule out more drugs. And yes, I know, Oriel looks grim too. RTE will say they have no, they have to go around the grounds as nation broadcast, as national broadcaster, but in summer they will apply criteria by showing Champions League games and not Europa League ones. They should be unforgiving when it comes to picking TV games. So That's, that's in line with what we were just talking about. And it's also becoming a hot topic now, isn't it? The fan behaviour, because... At the start of the season, all eyes were on us because of the stadium ban decision. And then, of course, what happened to Derry, although Derry fans were running on the pitch as well. He's the first ones to run on the pitch. Yeah. And, yeah, so now it's like, it's happening, uh, what other game? Was it the Shells and Balls game or something? There's been a few games this season. It's with, kicking off. With uh, this, this stuff happening. So, it's, it's a lot of people talking about it now. Like, what can we do to be up security? But, like, how can you spend extra money on security and kind of facial recognition? I saw someone talking about on Twitter. But then we have the toilet facilities, which the ladies talked about in this podcast two weeks ago. Mm. Are you going to leave that as it is? Exactly. It's madness. It's crazy. It really is. Um, And then we have the... Oh, boy. We're gone, Prof. The last man standing. We're gone. I did say, if I'm going out, I'm taking you with me. And I I kept my promise in that way. I went out on my sword. You went out with a whimper. Well, Garrett, oh my God. How do, you, how do I even excuse this? Like I said to you, do you ever have a memory of doing something that you just did not do? My my thoughts of it were that you probably just thought Monday. You know, because the game's two in a week. I thought you might thought you'd done it already. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, you didn't get it in. You got it long. <laughs> And then, but to make it worse, Conor Currens comes into the points, having just lost it at loan. I was just like, could you not have taken the dive? Just, just for me on this one. And he was like, no, they actually barred us. They should have won. No way. And I was like, oh, that makes it worse. What score was it in the end? Was it a draw? Was two, it? two, one. Two, one. Go away, but uh, I was, at, I was praying for a seven o'clock pitch inspection because, as we know, that's, <laughs> the, that's the way to get through. Don't talk about the war prop. But um. As it turned out, I probably would have lost anyway because I, I was thinking of picking us or Shelburne. I was convinced, man. And both of them didn't win. I but uh, I did deserve all the abuse I got. I will say that. We'd Merrow went off the ball as well. Fellow last man standing scalp. He says, they were going mad. I wasn't hitting the panic button on our season. Seven Jesus games in. He's right. He's dead right. I didn't get a chance to hear Merrow, but I, uh, I heard he spoke very ah, well. He was good. He was good. He was very good. And you see there was a thread on uh, Robert Shot there about, uh, what's it called, Hesgol? Yeah, Hesgol. Watching the, the streams. Watching the streams and whatever about watching Sky and, you know, expensive channels, like, you, you summed it up. Like, why not pay the seven euro mm. to watch it? Because if we don't, there won't be a stream next year. Uh, it's relying on your purchase of these streams for it to exist. So I'm baffled why people would use an illegal stream of LOI TV. You'll end up with the Russian spam bots and just that old school Nokia phone sellotape to a stick looking <laughs> at the middle of the pitch for the bookies. That's all it is. What was that thing that FEI signed up with? Oh, a tracker. Something tracker. Sport tracker, bet tracker, something like that. It was it was a, oh, it was it was a bookies terrible. camera. It was terrible. Just, it looked in the middle. Like I remember the, watching a game where the camera was just in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, and if the a goal went in, like you might not know because you mightn't see the left side. <laughs> if, the, if the pitch was long, like Tala, goal would go in, you'd be like, 
Oh, well, I didn't see it, but I know it went in. This, that was classic Delaney. Um, yeah, so we spoke about Merrill, good man Merrill. Delighted you went out of the last one standing as well. Um, underage results, Prof. The under-19s won 3-2 at Sligo, thanks to a keen Curtis Brace. And the 17s won 4-3 at UCD with a John O'Sullivan hat-trick. So goals galore in a very entertaining weekend for the underage. And the 15s lost 3-0 at home to UCD and Garts. His under-14s were 5-0 winners at home. Big shout-out to Garts and his uh, clear-the-head series as well. Going down a treat. Lee Grace, Aaron Green, Jack Bourne coming up as well soon. So big shout-out to Garts and that one. The women's 19s lost 1-0 to Shelbourne the academy. And women's 17s were beating 2-0 in Sligo. When we have fixtures this weekend, we've no uh, senior fixture, but we have a 19s game. They're at home to Bowes on the Sunday at 3pm on Rosestone. So there's your football fix. 3 o'clock, Rosestone, Bowes at home. There you go. There you go. The women's under-19s are away to Sligo, and the women's under-17s are also away to Sligo. The, under, the men's under-15s are away to Drogheda, and that's a Sunday, as far as we know. And we're recording early in the week here, so we don't have exact details yet, so keep an eye on socials. Uh, Jack Bourne like we spoke about episode 3 of Clear the Head chatting to Graham Gartland at the Hellfire Club and a great spot love a little walk up to the Hellfire Club prof mm. it's great absolutely f- gorgeous view of Dublin and recommend it to anybody presumably walking in nice weather now as well oh yes definitely so and unfortunately Glenmalore have been absolutely pumped 7-0 to Par- by Palmerstown and have brought an end to their unbeaten run and let's be honest let's blame Cheltenham for this Cheltenham on the long mile in that's what we blame <laughs> for this loss half the team hung over uh, Absolutely dying. Right, so I had a chat with Kieran earlier on today, so here is the members corner. I'm a member! Member! Oh, I member! So we're here now and we have another edition of the members corner and we're here at Kieran Kane. So we have an ex- we've opened we've extended an open invitation to anybody who is running for election in the upcoming AGM and Kieran is their force to accept. So Kieran, uh, you're very welcome on the show. Thanks, Gary. And we're going to get straight into it. So, it is Members Corner. So, Kieran, a uh, long-time Hoops fan. Can you tell us how you got following the Hoops and your first memories of a Rollers game? Yeah, well, I'm originally from Shank Hill, Gary. And when we were kids, as in eight, nine years of age, some fella had a transistor radio. He'd put it on a pillar outside one of the houses and we'd listen to Philip Green on a Sunday afternoon. And then, as we got a little bit older, kind of 11, 12, 13... We were allowed to get a bus in from Shank Hill to Donnybrook, walk up to Milltown, and that's how I started watching Rovers. Group of kids, there was no adults involved, there was no father bringing us along, it was just us as a group of kids. Shank Hill, a bit of a Rover stronghold. Uh, there's people out there, I mean, like when you know, when we got the bus in, there'd be people getting on at Ballybrack and Cabin Teeley and, mm. you know, Cornell Scourt. There was always Rovers fans, and I still see some of them at games. Uh, 70s were quite bleak this is when you kind of started following it must have been special growing up in uh, Milltown watching that brilliant four in a row so we move on from the 70s there wasn't much going on there but the 80s must have been magic brilliant, following yeah. on and I mean uh, the, the bleak stuff was probably a little bit before I started following I, when I started following Giles as manager there was a bit of excitement around it although it was probably starting to go a little bit wrong and that Giles had ambitions around the European Cup and that and it wasn't happening but yeah when Jim McLaughlin took over uh, I mean that four in a row team was just phenomenal you know really was um, incredible can you remember much about the initial appointment of McLaughlin and what you thought initially thinking right, what he had much of a reputation coming in? Or? Well, he came in, he came, he'd previously managed in Dundalk and he had some success up there and uh, he seemed to have players that were his type of player. I mean, he was originally a dairy man and uh, yeah, so when he came in, um, you know, things started to change straight away. I mean, without being disrespectful to Giles, I think McLaughlin had a much 
better grounding in the League of Ireland. Yeah. And knew a lot more about what was going on there. So go on to your favourite moments and your players from Well, players, I mean, you know, uh, I have a different view of them now when I see them on the, on the line like I did last Friday night. But, but you know, Bucko and Alan Campbell yeah. were up front. Um, you had Alan O'Neill in goal and then you move forward to the four in a row team and you, you know, Noel Larkin and Mick Byrne and then you Jody Byrne in goals. So, you know, just phenomenal players. And I mean, I think even now you see that, you know, when Alan Manis came back to the club, yeah. you know, we, we picked up you know success almost straight away. I mean, favourite moments, I'd say, um, like we played English teams in friendlies, I'd say, you know, 85, 86. I think we beat Arsenal and United. We drew at Liverpool. Um, and, you know, the uh, Rovers fans are no great respecters of reputations. And you can see that going <laughs> the whole way through my lifetime following them. And the Liverpool game, uh, I mean, these clubs fielded full-strength teams uh, against Rovers. The place with Milton will be packed. You know, we floodlights at that point, and uh, Ronnie Whelan was playing for for Liverpool. Now, about two or three weeks previously, he'd missed an Irish game because he had an operation on his finger, right? So the Rovers fans decided that wasn't acceptable. <laughs> his finger uh, on his finger, yeah, and uh, they still decided it wasn't acceptable. So every time Ronnie got the ball. He got a chant of, why don't you play for Ireland? <laughs> yeah. And this went on. I think Ronnie might have thought, you know, give him 15 or 20 minutes to stop. But no, this went on for about midway through the second half. Ronnie turned around to the shed, gave us the fingers and a few expletives. <laughs> and I thought the roof was going to come off the shed with a cheer. And then, like, you fast forward. Um, you know, in fact, I think Justin Mason put something up about it the other day. We played Forrest in a friendly in 92. And Roy Keane was playing for Forrest. So that would have been and, the... <clears throat> Tail end of Klopp's reign. What a early nineties. His big European spree. You could say was the eighties. Am I was, right? Well, he, they won a European Cup in seventy eight and seventy nine. Sorry, so yeah. I'm well off here. So it was, yeah. yeah, so he, he was coming to the end. Of it his, would have been the end of his yeah. reign, though, wouldn't it? So it would have been just before Keane was transferred to United. And uh, but yeah, you know, he got a lot of stick from the Rovers fans, and he proceeded to kick everyone on the park for thirty <laughs> minutes. And then he Clough, did come up. Clough, yeah, just did say this. Clough, yeah. took, Clough took him off before he got sent off. And then fast forward again, whatever, 18, 19 years, eighteen years, twenty ten, Ronaldo's first game in Tala, and again, you know, he gets a blast of "Who are you?" from the Rovers fans. So <laughs> it's you know that kind of there are no respecters of reputation. You've got to earn your. Your, uh, your your place on the pitch there for Rovers fans, you know, it's great. And just coming back to, there's a debate that came up recently with Jody Bourne and Alan O'Neill, and we've been trying to get Jody on for a while, and we're planning to get him on. He he doesn't think that he deserves recognition for his role in the four in a row. He feels that Alan O'Neill was a much better keeper, apparently, and he plays down his role that he played in it. What were the differences between Jody and Al as goalkeepers because they were spoiled for choice as regard when I think it was Jody overtook Alan didn't he when he came in yeah so I think Alan left in eight so you know our games we played Leinster Senior League and our games were on Sunday afternoons the same time as Rovers were playing so it became more difficult to follow them so you're just mm. watching midweek games and I suppose you know the longer they went without a home the more you felt um, you know is this ever going to get better mm. and um you know, it was almost like, you know, when the when the the really bad times hit around the administration, it was almost like, you know, is it is you know, is this just a natural end to things? We've been fit fifteen, sixteen years on the road. We've played matches all over the place, including famously a, this game, is it, like, a home game in Cork. Is this just it? You know, you, you know, you, you, obviously the GEA kind of smell on blood as well. So yeah, so 
you know, I mean, I take my hat off to the people who were involved around that time, and there's lots of them still involved in the club, mm. uh, because, you know, it would have been very easy to let the whole thing go. Yeah, yeah, tough, tough time to be a hoop. Yeah. But I remember since 2005, what was your first reaction when the club started to struggle and work it out at the fans? Had to dig deep well, and it was save the club. I, th- I thought, like, it's great to see people doing something about it, so I signed up straight away as a member. I mean, at that point, I'd finished playing football, so I was going back to Talking. Who did you play with? Out of interest? I, I, well, I, I worked for Bank of Ireland, so I played with the bank. Yeah. In fact, there's a story. So, there's a guy called Neville Steedman who played. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he played on the wing. Running the wing. Yeah, in the, in the late 70s and early 80s. And uh, Neville came in at one point and managed the team. <laughs> and... Uh, Let's just say Neville's Neville's uh, dress sense was a was a cut above the kind of standard <laughs> fellow from the bank. We, after our first home game, after he took over, we used to go down to the Goat Wheel. We played up a knocker ball. We went down to the Goat Wheel for a few points after a game, and uh, Neville came down after us. But he arrived in in a in a red silk shirt, a medallion, and black leather trousers. Medallion, yeah. like Prince, like Prince. And uh, <laughs> let's just say we were we were dressed slightly differently. But uh, yeah, so I played with them and, and played with one or two other clubs after that. Um, but yeah, I got back into Rovers then around the kind of t- time of the administration and uh, uh, had a little fella at that time, bought it, started bringing him to, to Talca yeah. and uh, st- it's kind of started following them seriously again. So fast forward to the present day, uh, you're running for election to the board. So give us some background on yourself. Uh, we'll start with your role in Granada FC. Well, so, I mean, my background has been primarily in underage football. So I've been involved with Granada, who are an underage club with about 1,200 kids based out in Black Rock. Um, been involved with them since uh, 2004-2005 when my young fella started playing and got involved and managed his team the whole way up but also got involved on the admin side became treasurer for three years and then took over as chairman in 2014 so we've done a lot of work in the local community we've gone into a lot of the local schools and that's driven the numbers up from about 350 in 2014 to almost 1200 today Um a big, th- a big uh, thing was was getting girls football started. So, you know, we had a couple of false starts, but we got that up and running. We've over 200 girls playing in the club now. And then more recently, in the last 12 months, we've got a football for all group going who are, you know, kids with additional needs, Down syndrome, autism, that type of thing. And, you know, that stuff is just, I mean, it, it's transformational for the kids. You know, the parents, uh, you know, talk about the difference it makes to the kids in terms of their confidence levels and care, in terms of their willingness to get involved and engage with, with other kids socially. So, you know, so it, it, these things do have a, re, a, a very meaningful impact on, on, on children, you know, getting their involvement in sports. So as you, you became chairman in 2014, so you obviously had aspirations to be involved in background with football clubs. So what have you changed or improved structure-wise in Granada FC? You mentioned a couple of things there. Well, I mean, the club has got much bigger. So, I mean, you've got to put structures in around that because, I mean, you know, you can't have three or four people trying to run a football club with 1,200 kids. So, you know, you put structures in around, you know, we have a football committee, age group coordinators. So, you know, some of them are playing on Sunday, some of them playing on Saturday. And they deal with with the, the issues on, on the specific four or five teams. And then if there's an issue, they'll feed that back up to... to, to so you've broken it down into sectors, you could say, and made it more organised, yeah. easier to run, and it's, a bigger club. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it shouldn't be the case that if, if you know, one or two people walk away from a club for whatever reason, retire, yeah. that it collapses. Yeah. So you put the structures in there to make sure that it, it works. We work with a coaching, with, with a group of coaches as well, a coaching business called Curver, who were originally a Dutch business, kind of the whole kind of Ajax model. And they... Um, so they go, they go into the schools during the week for us because they're full-time coaches. So they go in with, you know, representing Granada and then they the kids then, that kind of schools model, 
they go in, coach the kids, and the kids then come back into to our club and join our club as, as members. So it's really community based. It's it's really expanding towards the whole community and around your area. Yeah, I mean we're not you know <clears throat> the Rovers, the underage setup at Rovers is very different. I mean they're you know, the kids, they're elite kids, they're incredible talent. Um, our football is about giving everyone a game of football. So you know, whereas Rovers are going to have one team at every age group, yeah. and it's a specific model around that. You know, we have you know at some age groups we'll have you know eight or nine teams. Yeah, and it's you know everyone who comes into the club, it doesn't matter what standard they they can play at, we'll give them a game of football. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Right, so you heavily involved with schoolboy as we're t- talking about. Tell us about the roles you held in the DSL and the SDFL. Well, the South Dublin League was originally uh, was a smaller league within within the city. Um, and our club was primarily a member of that league. But, you know, it became obvious to, to the group of us who were involved in the South Dublin, I've been involved since uh, 2017, that we just weren't big enough. And that really, you know, we were competing against GAA, rugby. Um, you know, what we really should be aiming to do is put one underage league in place for the whole of the city. So we went to the GDSL, who were the bigger league at the time. And we started a conversation with them about merging the two leagues, which has happened. And uh, the the SDFL still has a facility out in Ballyone and Lucan that I'm still involved in. But we're on the we're in the final stages of folding that into the DDSL as well. So as part of that, three of us from the SDFL were were asked to join the DDSL board. So I've been sitting on that board since 2019. So I mean, I guess you know we've got a lot of plans in the pipeline. Obviously, th- through COVID, it was there was very little going on, but things are picking up again now. So. So you have a lot of experience when it comes to schoolboy football and experience as a director within a football club and its association. So it must be time consuming. Yeah, it is. But I mean, you know, some fellas go off and play golf on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. You know, I'll go down at half eight to the to the football club and I'm there, you know, most of the morning. Um, you know, during the week, it stuff goes on in the evening time and, you know, you can keep it running. You, you know, we've over 200 adult volunteers in the football club. So... You know, everyone does their fair share, and it, it never falls back on on one person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you you manage your time. Is it to the point where you like obviously you enjoy it? So yeah. it's something that you, you want to do. And would that be similar to the role at Rovers? It's you want to help improve the club. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about taking something on and you know having a vision for it and saying right, you know, there's there's things we can improve, there's things we do well, but there's things we can improve, and to try and focus on where we can improve and make things better. So how do you feel you can put this experience to good use of Rovers? I mean, it's a big jump. No offence from Granada to Shamrock Rovers. I mean, it is. It's a big It's a big jump. It is, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the scale is, is obviously very different. But, I mean, ultimately, it you know, it, it comes down to running a business. And, I mean, you know, you want to make this sustainable. So, I mean, our club has been around for 52 years. Rovers is obviously around for, you know, 120 years. Um and, you know, in order to do that, you've got to make sure that, you know, more money comes in the door than goes out the door. Um, so it's it's got to be run like a business. And, you know, I think it's, it's important. And that's, you know, my business background comes in there as well. But, I mean, you know, you've, you've, you also, you've got to try things because if you don't make mistakes, you're not learning, you're not developing. So you try things, you try them small. So, you know, as I said, we took, took us three or four goals to get the girls' football off the ground, you know, um, so it, it it sometimes you know you'll try something you'll make a mistake you'll try something different and you know the same applies to to rovers I mean you know we're doing a bit of work now with the academy there um, and you know you'll try something it'll work and it takes off you'll try something else and it won't but I mean if you're not trying things and you're not making mistakes but I don't think you're making progress yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that I mean in if, if I learn if I personally I feel that the best way to learn is from mistakes and if you don't if you don't learn from those then I think you're probably doing something wrong so you can say that, I mean, your your time is volunteer hours. So what have you done? 
Well, I mean, I, I suppose, yeah, I mean, I suppose a lot of my time was, was, was consumed with underage football. So I was kind of coming to games, bringing me kids. Um, my capacity to get involved was fairly limited. Mm. But then, uh, you know, back, I don't know, maybe 2015 or 16, I got a phone call from Graham Gartland one day. Um, he was just picking up a list of people. He didn't know I was a Rovers member. Um, he was ringing me as, as chairman of Granada. So I got talking to Graham. I told him I was a member. <clears throat> and kind of just developed from there. I got, you know, made some introductions for him. He got involved. He, you know, Paddy McQuaid had been involved in a community development role before that. Graham took it on. And, uh, yeah, you know, so he kind of stepped it up and uh, he moved on to Scotland. Then I think he was, went over assistant to Dundee, Dundee, wasn't he? Yeah, assistant at Dundee. He was yeah. doing some brilliant stuff before he He left. was, yeah, he was. And the, the role was vacant then for a couple of years. And I remember, you know, uh, speaking to people in the club about the fact that, you know, I thought it was a really important role and I thought it was one they should fill. Uh, anyway, you know, ultimately Tony O'Neill came in. Tony has been a phenomenal asset for the football mm. club. And, you know, he's built it up. He's taken it to another level now. You know, gets a lot of support from Shane Robinson. And, you know, Tony is now, you know, we've got three partner clubs, obviously. We've got 20 affiliate clubs. Yeah. And, you know, that to me, that's the model. You know, you take those 20, you know, it could be 40, it could be 60. But, I mean, the thing with those affiliate clubs is that, you know, we have a, we being Rovers have, you know, we've the best academy in the country. We've got some incredibly experienced and skilled coaches, strength and conditioning people. And, you know, they can supply a service to these affiliate clubs. The affiliate clubs, in turn, you know, you get them over playing the pitch at half time, get them to bring 100 kids and 100 adults over to a game. Even if the kids get free tickets, the adults are paying. You know, you get them in. If people are only coming to the, the, the ground, you know, two or three times a year, they're probably going into the shop, they're buying jerseys. Yeah. Um, you know, the parents are all potential sponsors of the football club. And, you know, the other thing is that, you're getting access to, to all of the kids that play in these clubs. And it might be the case that a kid that would have gone to Joey's or would have gone to Kevin's, you know, if they're an affiliate club of Rovers, the, the, the kid comes to Rovers. Yeah. So it ticks a lot of boxes, you know. I mean, something that I've been quite vocal about in the past while now, obviously before Tony's time, is the, the lack of community initiatives and working with local businesses. Um, there was a scheme that I tried to implement. It was called the Local Page and Partnership. Um, it never got off the ground, but it was all about working with businesses in and around the area, having good, t- having ticket points for kids for free tickets. I mean, people might think you're mad giving out free tickets. Personally, I don't think it's the way. I think anybody under twelve in and around a certain radius within Tal Stadium, like they need to be given free tickets and they need to be drawn in because that is ultimately the. It's it's where everything should start is in and around the the radius of Tala and I just I think that there's a lot more we could do. Um, especially we don't want to have businesses to think that they every time Rovers come knocking we want something that's what I think that's something that I don't think that we need I think we, they need to be able to feel like they're part of an inner community and something else like that so do you feel that we can do more in the community and implement different schemes of schools local charities yeah I like do that? and I mean like you know it's a, it's a, to me it's a win-win like so you go out and you do stuff in the schools like, you know, there's no point in dropping tickets into schools because the teachers are not going to bring them to a match on a Friday night. So you'd, you'd partner with a local club, you feed the kids back into the club, you know, you're growing the club's membership because a lot of those kids mightn't be associated or, or, or members of a club. And you then, uh, you know, then those kids and their parents then come to Tala. And, you know, in addition to that, you know, you've also got a situation where, you know, if you're working with the unemployed, you're working with, you know, people who have who've, uh, drug issues, that type of thing. 
you know, people might say, well, you know, what's in it for Shamrock Rovers? But I mean, at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're embedding ourselves in the Talat community. It's not all about and that, is it? For yeah, what's and I mean, in it for you Rovers? Look at, you, look at, you look at the bigger picture in terms of what sponsors are looking for today. They're not just looking at, you know, how many clicks do your fa- does your Facebook page get or how many clicks does your website get? They're also looking at, you know, what does this organisation do around our wider community yeah. and you know what are they doing you know are, are they doing stuff that you know they're ticking the box around uh, you know uh, working with the disadvantaged working with the unemployed and the more of that stuff we do and the more embedded we become within Tala you know people then in Tala identify with Rovers as being their local team and yeah. to some extent they do today but lots of them don't yeah. um, and the local business thing absolutely yeah I mean it should be the case that they feel it's a two-way street. It's not just some somebody knocking on the door saying, "Will you sponsor us?" Yeah, you know, there might be something in it for them as well. You know, yeah, I think so. I totally agree. Um, so, you, the director's role at Shamrock Rovers. What do you do? What do you intend to do or change if you do become well? I mean, elected? it's it's a, it's a you know, I want to be a, a, a director of the, the members club, but also a director of the football club. And I mean, I think you know the focus has got to be on you know community. It's got to be on the academy. Um, there's lots of stuff. I mean, I, I don't know how the football club was run because I don't have access to, to, to that side of it. But on the community side, on the on the, the academy side, I mean, if we're going to grow the academy, we're going to bring in more qualified, highly qualified coaches. You know, the academy can generate a revenue stream of its own. It shouldn't be reliant just on, on, on funding from the football club. Yeah. You know, there's no reason why the academy can't have its own sponsor. Um, you know, the jerseys can be sponsored. The underage jerseys can be sponsored. So, you know, there's a lot of st- stuff that can be done around that. You know what I talked about before about the the the, um, the affiliate clubs accessing some of the services that the academy has. So if the academy lads, or say the strength and condition lads, are working, you know, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday with our players, the Rovers players, well then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday anyway. You know, if kids going to matches on a Friday, Monday, Wednesday, you could be bringing in some of the affiliate. Clubs. You can get Luke in, or and you the, can get yeah. yeah and yeah. the affiliate clubs then could be you know you could operate a system where you say, well, you know, we're going to charge you something for these services because we shouldn't be giving anything away for free. But you know, it shouldn't be the case that well, you know, we don't have the money. Okay, well then you can't access the service. There's other ways of of of, of you know reimbursing the football clubs. Yeah. So it could be right. Well, you know. Something is worth X. We can you can pay us X, or you can you know you can sell five season tickets. Yeah, you can sell a membership or two, or you can bring over a hundred kids to the stadium with a hundred adults, and you know and that covers your the, the cost yeah, of the service yeah, we provide. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways of of of, of, of you know organising that. Uh, on your CV, you have stated you have 35 years experience in business. So how will this experience benefit the club if you do get elected? Well, I mean, you spend that long in business. Like I mean, a lot of it's just about you know. Every year you're, set, you're given a set of objectives or you devise a set of objectives and you've got to go off and try and achieve those objectives. And some of them you'll achieve and some of them you won't. And I think, you know, I've tried to bring that focus to, to the, the underage uh, side of things and I can bring it to Rovers as well, you know. So you're, you're talking about, you know, identifying things that need to be done, things that need to be improved and then going off and trying to, trying to get it done. What would you say to fans that say that the, the club shouldn't be ran just like a business and there should be more more to it. Because some fans will ultimately turn around and say, okay, well, we're more than just a business. And sometimes they don't understand that there's a business model and a football club. Two things have to be separated. What would you say to the fans that think, right, we're not, we shouldn't be run like a business? And they might think that's cold-hearted. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'd say that uh, there has to be, every football club has to have a foundation. And the foundation has to be sustainability. And I mean, you've got to make sure, you know, there's no point in us blowing all the money we have today 
and putting us at risk of not being in, not being in existence in five years' time. Yeah. So, you know, I understand that there's a much greater emotional attachment to Rovers than there would be to your standard business. And the business should never be number one. Um, but, you know, you do need to have a good underlying business there to make sure that the football club continues to develop and you know and it's still well, not just a quick question of it, it's still being around in five years time but you know we all want a situation where ideally in in five years time we're competing regularly in the group stages of one of the big yeah. European competitions I mean some fans might some fans just think that football club is there and that's how it is I don't think they understand that there is a business model and a lot of hard work goes on behind the scenes to actually get it up and running and keep it afloat and keep things actually happening within the club I think that's that's an issue with some of the fans so the business model side of things, do you think that we can get better and we can progress to the next level with go, going to the next level to get to those group stages and as as a business as well? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, like, I suppose what, what, what I'd like to try and get across to people is that, you know, it, the, the two things shouldn't be uh, uh, taken in isolation. Like, I mean, I understand, you know, we're all emotionally attached to Rovers um, in, a, in a way you would never be emotionally attached to a, a normal business. But the, 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 the money side of it helps as well. And I know some of the stuff that gets talked about at AGMs and this type of thing, you know, people's kind of their eyes glaze over, their focus is what happens on the football pitch. But, you know, the more professional we become off the pitch and the more successful we become off the pitch, <coughs> the more successful we become on the pitch and yeah. vice versa. So that, you know, the, the two feed back and cross between each other all the time. And I think that, you know, what I understand is a reluctance sometimes to talk about football in, a, in, in, in terms of a business. Um, if, you, if there isn't business principles applied to it, you know, you'll find clubs, and I mean, it's been a, it's been a, you know, a perennial issue for League of Ireland clubs, where you know, you you know, take shells a few years ago, take bowls a few years ago, you know, they're successful. Ourselves. The money, <laughs> yeah, well, oh, absolutely, the money comes in, but it's spent. You know, it's spent yeah. on salaries, it's spent quickly, and then suddenly, you know, the the pyramid collapses, and you know, they're back to kind of beg and bowl type of situation. Mm. So we talk about the members club model. Would you like to see some change? Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I put together a, a document for, uh, for the, to circulate around the members with the AGM pack. And I suppose I talked about, uh, you know, what I'd like to see is that the, 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 the members club board represents the members club and is representative of the members club. So, I mean, with all due respect to the people on the board at the moment, it's not representative of the members club because the members club has 640 people. I mean, it's got 45 females. We don't have a female on the members club board. You know, the supporters clubs groups there, they're not represented on the members club board. Um, you know, the ultras, they're not represented on the members club board. So, you know, you've got a whole range of people across the... You think um, we could be more inclusive, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have to be because, I mean, then you don't have situation Like, you can then go out and you can kind of, you know, if you have a broad cross-section of people from the members club and from the supporter base represented on the members club board you're getting a much, a much better temperature check of what's going on around the so you club. think communication is key here you yeah. need to be able to expand yeah, I mean, and get I, more people involved yeah and i mean you know i know we get we get the odd newsletter but i mean i would go further and say and i know it's it's messy and i know it kind of opens it up to you know all kinds of debates but i mean at the end of the day we should be having you know three or four or five members meetings a year and people should be encouraged to attend, should be encouraged to come up with ideas, should be encouraged to make a contribution. I mean, at the moment, I guess, you know, when you go along to AGMs, as I've done for, for many years, like you have the silent majority. You have a lot of people who come along. The club means a huge amount to them, but they don't feel like they have a, 
an ability or a right to, to speak up. And there's no reason why, you know, we need to encourage those people to come in and, and to, to, to use our voice. So people who would, who would ultimately have talents, you could say, with maybe a good background in business like yourself or somebody who has experience in something else, do you think that we could be more inclusive towards those and have more communication around that issue? Yeah, and I mean, it, like we, it, it, it has been tried before. I mean, they've tried to bring members' groups together. But I think, you know, going back to what I said about underage football, you try these things, <clears throat> sometimes they don't work. But you don't give up. You try them again, or maybe you try them a little bit differently. Yeah. And once something gets a bit of momentum, you know, you can kind of build on it. Then, but yeah, I mean, if you've got, if you've got six hundred and forty members, there's got to be all kinds of talents out there that we could access. Yeah. And across a whole range of areas, we could spend hours talking about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're gonna leave it at that today. And is there anything else you'd like to end the ear the interview with Kieran? Like a message to the members or the fans, or anything you'd like to end on? No, I suppose the one thing I'd say, Gary, is that you know the the uh, like the, the AGM for the membership, it's an important event and I would encourage people to try and attend. I mean, I know there's a game up in Bally Buffet the night before, um, but if you can't attend, you know, there's a, a, a you can put in your proxy vote, um, which will be counted on the day. So I would encourage people, you know, if you're not going to be able to make it to the, to the AGM, use your proxy vote and, um, you know, and make sure you understand what you're voting on. So, you know, if you've got questions, you've got concerns, you're not you're not exactly sure what the proxy vote is allowing you to do, you know, pick the pick the phone up or email the members club and, and ask the questions and make sure you understand what you're voting. Make sure you're all privy to all the info. Yeah. Yeah, this Kieran, thanks, you've been all great right. and uh talk to you soon. Great, thanks Gary. Yes, that was Kira. Fair play to him for coming on and uh, a couple of good chats there, Prof. What did you think of our little discussion of the goalkeepers between Jody Bourne and Alan O'Neill? Yeah, I liked that one because um, at the time that was a big deal, wasn't it? Kind of similar to Big Al replacing Barry Murphy in 2009. Fans weren't happy about it, but it proved to be, well, I don't know, say a good decision because Alan O'Neill was still at the top of his game, won the Cup at UCD then, but Jody Byrne proved to be an exceptional goalkeeper, won the four in a row. That's the thing, I was only talking about the transition of goalkeepers from really good to good again. Like, I mean, Anyone can we can anyone any of the fans talk about one really good goalkeeper and then us getting another one that was better than the previous? So that's a talking point yeah. as well. Yeah, and as for running, um, he's obviously running on the platform of the community initiative, which you have mentioned uh, so many times on this show, haven't you? It's something that's important to you, hundred percent, and yeah. something that could be improved on. So, um, yeah, so the AGM is on the second of April. So hope it is obviously after Paddy Buffet when we're all being bits, but uh, might as well just stay up and go straight to it. <laughs> get the bar open, but definitely attend if you can or send a proxy because yeah. it's it's obviously an important one for the club, isn't it? And yeah, so that's it, Prof. Give me some stats. Hit me with some stats, Prof. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats out. <laughs> stats out. Stats out. Yeah, one I forgot to say next or last week. Was uh, Finny Maguire asking this before the Bowls match? He said, "What's Bradger's head-to-head record with Keith Long?" And I thought that's a good question. Ooh. That's an interesting one. So uh, I looked it up. So after our win over Bowls, the one-nil win, the Gaffney goal, uh, Bradger's record against Long is now ten wins mm-hmm. against Long's eleven. Oh, ho, ho. so. Yeah, there you go. 
That says it all. Here, They've gotten the better of us a Br- lot. Brad's just going to do a nutsy. Brad's <laughs> going to get you banned. Yeah, and two draws. Ban the stats. Oh my so, god. Um, I also forgot to mention last week, <laughs> interesting one, we're still unbeaten against Stephen O'Donnell as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Uh, <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Stephen? <laughs> he... Uh, uh, he sounds like a man getting up at 11 in the morning to go to an AGM having been on a busted bloody buffet I'd say he it's like hay fever to him <laughs> it just knocks the bollocks out of him football it doesn't agree with him it doesn't agree with him he needs tablets after but yeah, yeah so yeah so our last uh, 13 home league matches we've actually won 11 of them so that Sligo one was only one of two that we've not won. And the other was Bowes. Good man, so bro. 11 home wins, two draws, and that's 13. And Sligo were, are still the last team to beat us in Tada. Yeah, the one there last year? Yeah. When um, they won the league? Uh, in the league game, I mean, Flora Town they beat us. Uh, that's the first own goal scored in our favour in a Tada match since Comerford for Waterford. A 3-1 win. In October 2018. Oh. So there's been six own goals scored in our favour since then. And they've all been away from home. Own goals. That's so a bit, of a, man pa- bit of a pattern developing there. Uh, Sligo, the first team to score two goals against us in Tala since Milan in July 2020. Uh, it was Ilves and Dundalk before that. The Dundalk 3-2, the famous one. The last time we had come from two goals down at home to get a result because obviously there was Derry last year the 4-2 there was Harps 3-2 in the cup quarterfinal but the last time at home we came back from two goals was a two-all draw with Dundalk in April 2015 oh Mikey Drennan yep Mikey Drennan should have got a hat-trick that day that only came up recently someone spoke about that recently yeah. Oh, it was. I was give, I was looking for you uh, at half time. I was obviously we're at the perch in the south stand, <laughs> and I'm saying, "Where's the prof? When's the last time we came down? We came back from two 0 down. That's exactly yeah. what we were saying." Uh, Sligo were the were the first team to hold a two 0 half time lead in Tala since Cork were three 0 up against us in the 2016 FAI Cup. Tomar Henschinski masterclass Sean, that day. Uh, no, no. Tom was, that, that was the following season. What am I thinking of? This must have been oh, I'm cra- thinking of. Do you remember Paddy's Day? Yeah, yeah. This was probably Craig Hyland in that game. Sean Maguire um, was lethal that day. Yeah, Maguire hat-trick that day. And the last time in the league that a team was two goals up against us in Tala was Pats in August 2013 when Conan Burns scored the four. And Derek Farm was sent off and Budimer had a mare. <sighs> Fuck and, me. Remember that? Yep. Yeah, so, uh, what else have we got? I have interest. Somebody asked me. We somebody was kind of saying to me that we haven't battered anyone in a long time. Like we're not scoring four goals. Do that. And so I checked, and so since September twenty twenty, it's my last out now. We played Dundalk away on a Sunday. And then we played Sligo at home on the Friday. So it was kind of a similar schedule. The Dock, then Sligo at home. We beat both of them 4-0. Remember Jack Burns scored from the, the, the tight angle? Yeah. In Oriel Park. 
and then we hockey Sligo 4 0 in Tala. Since then, we've played 61 games. Go on. And we've only put four goals past two teams Waterford and Derry. And they were both away from home. So we haven't hockeyed anyone at home since that Sligo match. Prof with the stats. Um, yes, yeah, so that is it. Prof, we're back next week and we look ahead to Bally Buffet. So both the Tifties bus is up and running. Get in touch with the usual Instagram at uh, Tesman Eastand and at Eastand Pod. If you want to book a bus on, get some green ribbon in you. Absolutely gorgeous. I actually wrote starting 11 in predictions. I know, yeah. I was going to go for it. I was going to go for it. But we have two segments on that show. It's Conan Garth's part two and In Memoriam. The famous or infamous... George Bourne It's Ringo So this is going to be a, An absolute I, I can't believe I'm saying It's going to be An absolute cracker For a memoriam But it's going to be brilliant It is We're a brilliant guy Absolutely cr- brilliant individual So I'm looking forward to it And all of the tributes That get pour, pour in So that is it For this week Prof We won't see it In Block X We might see it In the Rollstone But that is it And keep on hooping See ya